your home of the pens, WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Craft teams, uh, namely Vancouver and twice to Montreal, but they've been Washington, Vegas, and now Toronto. They've beaten three of the very best teams in hockey. That's curious, or, or maybe not. Maybe it's as simple as playing up to the competition or down to the competition. But today, I am not going to ask why. Instead, Let's bask in the delightful nature of the Penguins' 3-0 win at Toronto last night. It was really 1-0 with a couple of empty net goals. And that is cool and the gang with me, Kimisabi. Because you need to remember and be reminded that you're allowed to win that way. The Penguins were sound systematically, minimized the turnovers, minimized the mistakes at the blue line, minimized Matthews, Minimize Tavares, minimize that entire Toronto offensive juggernaut. Uh, Matt Murray was brilliant with 38 saves. Gino came up big with a couple goals. Chris Letang was, again, incredible. Tanger controlled the game. Here's an excerpt from a story about last night's game on the Canadian sports site Sportsnet. Uh, This is excellent. Quote, Poised and punishing, the Penguins gave the Leafs their first glimpse of what they should expect come April. No time, no space, no second chance opportunities, and no blowing leads. This meat and potatoes order of hockey? Pittsburgh gobbled it up and asked for a handful of fries smashed on top. Unquote. That is all the people need to know. And you gotta love the Permanis reference. And it's all true. Oh, it's damn true. The Penguins out hit Toronto 30 to 21. They blocked more shots 22 to 7. The structure was there. The discipline was there. Malkin got that power play goal in the first period. And after that, the Penguins just turned the screw. It was big boy hockey. It was awesome. So let's hear what you think about last night in Toronto. Somebody in Pittsburgh say something about getting fired up. Dial 412-333-9939 or follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. This is a weird weekend for Pittsburgh sports. It's the Steelers bye week, but nonetheless, going to talk Steeler football with Craig Wolfley at the bottom of the hour. Pitt football does not play, but that's all right. We don't talk about them anyway. The Penguins don't play till Tuesday at Edmonton, which is a quirk in the schedule. Zero games for the Penguins over the weekend. But you do have the Riverhounds, soccer, in a playoff game tomorrow night against Bethlehem. Jesus is injured and will not play for Bethlehem. That's good news. 
We will be joined by Riverhounds goalkeeper Dan Lind at 4.30. A big crowd expected for the Hans playoff game at Highmark Stadium tomorrow night. But the Penguins and that win at Toronto last night are the topic du jour. Last night we saw the real Penguins. When they play crap teams, the Penguins just frig around. Heck, they goofed off against Washington in the season opener and still somehow won. But last night, the Penguins reminded us that they're a real good team, and they also reminded themselves they could play any which way you want and come out on top. The Penguins neutralized Austin Matthews pretty well. He came into last night's game leading the league in goals and points, but of course walked out with nada attached to his previous totals. Getting shut out will do that. Matthews had three shots, but Matthews was hardly a constant danger. Sid was mostly matched up against Matthews. Now, I'm not sure Sid's quite yet a checking center, but he played one on TV last night. It was just a great game by the Penguins, and the Leafs played well, too. It was a 1-0 game, basically. Anderson played great in Toronto's net. It was like a throwback game in terms of officiating. Only three power plays all night, although I don't think either team took a plethora of uncalled penalties either. The Penguins one for one on the power play. Uh, the Steelers are up, but like I said, still going to be Steeler talk. We got Wolf in studio at the bottom of the hour. Cam Hayward, the Steelers defensive end, he was on DVE radio and had some interesting things to say about Vontez Perfect. Uh, he he doesn't get why Watt got fined for grazing the quarterback's leg, and Perfect can get away with everything he does. Uh, by the way, we don't know, we haven't heard if Burfick got fined for his shenanigans against Pittsburgh last Sunday. Uh, we know he didn't get suspended. A writer today asked uh, Burfick if he got fined and was greeted by the usual uh, Burfick charm in being forthcoming. Uh, Cam also called Burfick an NWO wrestler playing football. And Geno Atkins, the Bengals' fine defensive lineman, told Cam he doesn't understand Burfick either. Uh, by the way, it's significant that, that Cam Hayward called Burfick an NWO wrestler. Not WWE, not WCW, not ECW, not Ring of Honor, but NWO because, as my buddies Hollywood, Scott, and Kev know, when you're NWO, you're NWO for life. Uh, Burfecht would be a weird teammate. A.B., he's just a pain in the backside. He's mostly harmless. Distracting but harmless. Burfecht is a sociopath. I wonder how many of Burfecht's teammates socialize with him off the field because I would not. That's a dangerous guy right there. Burfecht is also under fire for liking certain tweets. This is... It... it I hate when people scour Twitter to find stuff that happened months ago, years ago, and then cast dispersions on people using dated material. But, but anyway, a Bengals fan tweeted a while back that Juju Smith-Schuster, because he laid out perfect last year in the game at Cincinnati, 
This fan tweeted that Juju was going to end up in a wheelchair just like Shazier. No kidding, a human being actually tweeted that. And Burfecht liked that tweet. That shows where Burfecht's head is at. Now, like I said, here we are Friday. And no fine or suspension has been announced for Vontez Burfecht in the wake of all his malfeasance against the Steelers. So I guess the league doesn't care. And believe me, the league not caring does nothing but embolden Burfecht. Uh, Boston is in the World Series. The L.A. Dodgers are one game away. If Milwaukee can't win the next two games, it's going to be big money versus big money in the World Series. And uh, there, uh, Paul Zeiss wrote a column at the Post-Gazette website saying that the Pirates could do what the Brewers did. Now is the time. Yeah, okay, that'll happen. I mean, of course the Pirates could go out and, you know, get get guys like, well, maybe not as good, but, you know, the Brewers got Yelich and Kane. The Pirates could do that. They could have done it after 2015. They, 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 they should do it now. But they're just not going to. When will all of you, especially the media, get that through your head? They will never try to win at the expense of profit. Getting Archer and Caleb, they spend a little money there, but the payroll's still real low. And that, those moves, those trades, those acquisitions, that's just PR. PR, it got them nowhere but Palookaville once again. But y'all are real joyous over finishing over 500, which means the Pirates have you right where they want you. Except most of you don't go anymore and their attendance blows. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets killed the Philadelphia Flyers last night. Duclair scored a, a spinorama goal while he was sitting on the ice. i got to be honest, I think he was just trying to get up, and he flailed his stick, and the puck went in. And Josh Anderson of Columbus scored when some Jamoke Philadelphia defenseman, a Fulman his name is, he was carrying the puck up ice, and he just fell down. No reason, fell down. Anderson uh, got the puck and scored. So a great game for the Flyers. I have all these highlights posted on the Mark Madden page at uh, WXDX.com, including our good friend Elias of WWE on Raw Monday saying, I've never seen Bigfoot, and I've never seen the Flyers win the Cup. Magical. It was truly magical. we got Craig Wolfley at the bottom of the hour. Just around the corner, we're going to talk about a Sid being a checker last night and about Derek Broussard's role in the third period at Toronto, which was not considerable. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. For you. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Does your girlfriend want to bang a penguin? Well, dang, but I guess if that's your freebie, then my freebie would be Crosby. But, uh... Wait, what? The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. Remember yesterday when I told you the Penguins coaches think Riley Shane is better than Derek Broussard? Well, witness last night when Shane actually played marginally more than Broussard, I think 15 minutes to 14, but Broussard didn't play much in the third period uh, when the Penguins were trying to bleed out that 1-0 lead. Uh, Shane, Cullen, and Hornquist were used as the third line. 
And uh, Broussard took the occasional shift on wing with Sid. Sprong and Simone didn't see much ice in the third, and I'm okay by that. I feel bad for Hornquist. Made him into a third liner this year. He has zero goals so far. Last night, you know, you know, he's played on lines with Sid and Gino. Last night, he's out there with Shane and Cullen. He's probably thinking, how did it come to this? Didn't I sign a big new deal not too long ago? And then today at practice, uh, he got uh, got whacked in the knee with a shot, said he was okay. Then like seconds later, Sid almost hit him again with another shot. It never rains, but it pours. Sid had one assist and only one shot on goal, but but he played fine two ways. Uh, the productivity isn't there, and that has to come. That guy making that money, that role on the team, he has to produce, but uh, he did shut down Austin Matthews last night, and that was a big part of winning the game. You know where... Uh, I either suck or am brilliant, and there's no middle ground. I heard the B team today. I've heard a few shows the last couple of days, actually. All they talk about is Connor versus Bell, and should the Steelers trade for Patrick Peterson? Connor versus Bell decides itself when and if Bell shows up, no matter what anybody might think, including Ben Roethlisberger, because the minute Bell is fit, he's the number one running back. Now, how long it takes him to get fit, I I don't know. Ben says it would take four weeks, given that he's missed two camps in a row. And uh, then the Patrick Peterson thing, that debate is still raging. People want the Steelers to trade a first-round pick for Patrick Peterson, the cornerback at Arizona. Very good. Very accomplished. Uh, Three first-team All-Pro, seven Pro Bowl selections. That trade just isn't going to happen. And the latest notion is that the Steelers' tradition of never trading their first-round pick is dumb. First off, it's not a tradition. It's team policy. You know, wearing black and gold, the hypocycloid logo. logo. I'm impressed I said hypocycloid properly and I stumbled over logo. Uh, That's tradition. Uh, Never trading a first-round pick is team policy. Part of an overall team policy. The Steelers have had a first-round pick every year since 1967 and have arguably been the most successful team in football since 1967. So that's not dumb. There are plenty of places to nitpick the Steelers. Legit criticisms. But there's no way to poke holes in any part of the Steelers' long-term team policies that have served the Steelers so well. Uh, By the way, Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports just tweeted, quote, What I've been told all along is Le'Veon Bell is his own guy doing his own thing, not talking to his agent or the NFLPA. There's no plan for his return. I know the Steelers want to trade him. Okay, not talking to his agent? How can you not talk to your agent? Maybe, like Ricky Williams before him, 
Webb Bell's just tired of playing football and wants to smoke dope. And I'm not kidding. That's what this reminds me of. That's what this smacks of. Uh, Penguins lines at practice today were pretty much the same. Gensel, Crosby, and Rust. Rust is so out of place playing with Sid. Got the speed, doesn't have the touch. God bless him. Haggy, Malkin, and Kessel. Simone, Broussard, and Hornquist. Cullen, Shan, and Sprout. I thought the D played pretty good last night. I thought Jack Johnson had a real strong game. Oh, breaking news, the Cleveland Browns trading running back Carlos Hyde to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Interesting. I don't have depth charts in front of me, but I thought Carlos Hyde was their guy. Maybe they're going to run the wishbone with Baker Mayfield. Uh, thanks to everyone at the William Penn Tavern last night out in Shadyside. It was a packed house for the Bud Light viewing party. And the Penguins won. I love the kitchen sink wings. Hot AF. Woo! The Hebrew Hammer was in the house. A rare public sighting, and he brought along a bunch of dope. So a good time was had by all. Up next, it's time to talk Steelers football and bye week football with Steelers offensive line legend Craig Wolfley. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. None of what you're saying is reasonable. It's laughable. Ah. You're already dumb. Let's see if you can go to dumber. The X at 105.9. It's the bye week here in Pittsburgh, but football is not to be stopped. Joining me in studio, he is the Steelers offensive line legend. You can hear him from the sidelines on DVE during Steelers game broadcast. He is Craig Wolfley. Uh, Wolf, the bye week came into the NFL. In your last couple seasons as a player, I'm going to guess you embraced the concept of the bye week. <laughs> I've never met a player who did not enjoy the bye week. There's no doubt about it. Bye week came. I was actually in Minnesota at the time. At that right. point, last two years of my career. And Jerry Burns, the head coach, God bless him, the first bye week, he gave us the entire week off. I kid you not, the entire week. I flew no, no home. No practice at all. No practice. It was unbelievable. It was such a rejoicing moment for all of us old guys. You're like, oh, yes. It was awesome. Now, what did you do during your bye weeks? Did you just come home to Pittsburgh? Did you do something outdoorsy? How did you make use of the time? The first year I went, I came home from Pittsburgh and actually had, th- it was Thanksgiving week of all things. Oh, perfect. Yes. And so, so when you came home, from Minnesota, celebrated the holiday here in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. I had the whole family and it was just great. And so there was much rejoicing and much uh, uh, fat food <laughs> flying around the Wolfley household. Now, should they have two bye weeks to make it an 18-week season? I believe that's been discussed, and uh, you and I talked off the air a moment ago. I guess the NFL tried that one year, correct? They did try it the year, I believe it was the year after I retired. Uh, I know that uh, Chaluch Tanchilkin was uh, still in the league. He his, his response was, it seemed too long. It just seemed like the extra one was a little bit too much and made the, late, the season seem it was like always going on forever. So I think I think one week is good. I think that it gives somebody, the guy, something to point towards. You kind of regenerate, renew, you rejoice, and then you come out and you're you're out there for the final drive. Now Vontez Burfecht of the Bengals has not been fined or suspended that we know of for his transgressions against the Steelers last Sunday. 
I can't believe that. Well, if he should at least be fined, what's going on there? I was totally surprised because watching from the sidelines in Paul Brown Stadium, when he threw the forearm at uh, A.B., and A.B., hey, he had to come off the field. How did he not get a penalty there? I was surprised. Now, maybe they were taken over by the fact he blasted one of his own guys more than he blasted A.B., but still, it was very reminiscent of a couple years ago. What was it, 015, when he put the, the crank on, on A.B. and knocked him out for the rest of the playoffs? Um, to me, uh, that that's something in this day and age now. Again, we're talking this day and age because back in the dark ages, the more lawless 80s and 90s that I come from. Right. That was typical behavior. That was something that, you know, happened a lot. So you took, you were able to take care of it by yourself. There was, at that time, frontier justice was meted out. And that's where the boys come in and you take care of business like that. But in this day and age, given what they've been trying to do to change the culture of the game, I don't know how they overlook that. It, it doesn't make sense. Well, and not only did he, you know, Flail at uh, at AB with his flipper, but he took a shot at Ben on the quarterback sneak. He took a shot at Connor as well. I just don't know how to stop him, or if he can be stopped, short of just banning him from the league. But what I worry about Wolf is the way he plays, especially if it's not put in check by even more fines and suspensions. I'm worried he might kill or cripple somebody. I think that's a legitimate possibility. Well, you look at the shot that he put on AB back in 015, or, uh, you know, if I'm correct on that date. Yeah, yeah, no, it, uh, yeah, that's right. It was the playoff game. Okay, yes. So you look at that. That was a devastating blow. That was January guy... 2016, and AB did not play the next week. There you go. Um, you know, that to me was, was very egregious. Uh, you've got reputation. When you have reputation, you've got to be watching him more than you watch some of the other culprits going on at it. But I'll say this. From the moment that I was out there on the sidelines, they, they introduced the players. The players run the gauntlet, slapping palms with all their teammates. Well, he ran out on the field, and I kid you not, he stared almost the entire time running from the goal line roughly to the 50-yard line, staring with a very malevolent look at the Steelers' bench. You know, it was a look of trying to intimidate. It was a look of trying to maybe mocking. I don't know. But it was certainly a look. He was letting them, everybody know. I, I knew this. I asked some other players. They go, was I crazy or did I just see what I saw? Did Was he looking and trying to do a stare down? And everyone acknowledged, yeah, he's on. He's, he's, he's looking for a, a little bit of flesh here. Well, I, I don't think uh, that anything's going to stop him. And I hope that... Uh that somebody doesn't get killed or crippled by Vontez Burfecht. Now, now, getting back to the Steelers, and what a great win that was at Cincinnati, I'm still not totally not totally convinced Connor's a number one back wolf, but he's got my attention. I'm starting to come around on the kid. I really enjoy watching the develop of uh, James right now. I mean, he is in a situation where everybody obviously is pulling for him. He's no longer the kid from Pitt who overcame uh, cancer. Uh, he is a, a top flight NFL back in my in my most humble estimation. He's come on to show that he's a three down capable guy, which is something that you don't really see all that often in this day and age. He carried the mail. He did it well. Uh, he came through with some big runs. Do you want to talk about uh, the fact that he broke some couple of 20 plus yard runs, a couple 11 yard runs and so forth 
in the course of setting up that 111-yard performance, but he also caught the ball and did a nice job of picking up blitzes. Again, the kid is performing at a level. we got to remember, when we talk about Lev Bell, we're talking about a guy who's established, who's gone the season long, who's got all these great attributes and accolades, but you know what? He's five, six six years going not into this year, six years, where James is only in his second year, so he's still got a lot of growing to do. And a lot more tread on the tires as yep. well. Now, how about that play that won the game at Cincinnati? Uh, ben read it perfectly, and A.B. knew just what to do. I loved how quickly it developed. Oh, One minute you're desperate, the next minute the game's over and you won. You know, it was beautiful, and that's what you loved about the lightning attack with A.B. and Ben. I don't know, the Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi was humming. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because they gave the look. They found the password. They did indeed, you know, and I thought it was beautiful. You got Justin Hunter coming off and a little rub route there, and A.B., when you talk about zero coverage, there's nobody in the back. They're massing to go to blitz, and Ben recognized it, knew what was going to happen, and it was just a great call and a great delivery. I was sitting there thinking, from the sidelines, I'm watching going, oh, Gadzooks, they're coming with the blitz. What are they going to do? Because it was on the other side from me, and and they ran that little rub route, and A.B. sprung free, and let me tell you, you talk about joy in Mudville, because Mudville's <laughs> the bench area. There was um, just mucho joy just just coming out and ab i was so excited for him because that was something talk about getting your mojo back that was a getting your mojo back moment for ab we're talking to craig wolfley the steelers offensive line legend you hear him on dve from the sideline during steelers games um did hunter pick the db was that a bad non-call or a good non-call i think it was a good non-call well of course you do (laughs) right but here's the thing about it you know you go back to the first quarter and the Bengals ran their concept of it with Joe Mixon and somebody else, and they ran a little pick. But you know what happened was Vince Williams made a great play. He bubbled over, he beat the guard to the spot, and made the hit on Mixon. You either execute or you don't. And in that case, when Justin Hunter came off, the defensive back initiated contact. Now they're playing an in-and-out technique. you got two guys, so one guy's got to play the in, one's got to play the out. Well, the in guy didn't get in. He got caught up with Justin, and he didn't cross the face of Justin. He crosses the face of Justin like uh, uh, Vince Williams did. He makes the play, but he didn't, and uh, the rest is history. Well, right, Ben made the read. A.B. and Hunter made the read. They're allowed to make the read, too. No question about it. And they did not. My feeling is, Wolf, that was a good non-call. I would not have called it. But the holding call on Kirkpatrick uh, just before on that drive, that was a little chintzy. I'm not saying I wouldn't have called it. It it was a little chintzy, the point being – if those calls go the other way, then the Steeler fans are upset. Well, there's no question. But you look at it, and you know Dre Kirkpatrick got a little handsy with the the jersey. A little bit. He pulled it in tight. He had a little bit of collar. No, I'm, I'm not outraged. Right. I, I wasn't outraged, but at the same time, I, th- you know, I, what am I going to say? It was a good call. <laughs> it was technically by the rules, it was a holding call. No, no. Again, no complaints. It's just. It shows how fine the line is, doesn't it? Well, it does. On calls and on the results of games. No question about it. And, you know, certainly a lot of times that can be called almost any time. You watch these guys, and, you know, who's got the more sleight of hand? I mean, that's just the way it is. That's life in the NFL. Sometimes when you live by the sword, sometimes you die by the sword. Now, Ben Roethlisberger hasn't been sacked in two games, but Cincinnati was ridiculous. He wasn't even touched. Not only was his uniform not dirty, it wasn't even rumpled. Uh (laughs) We knew the O-line was good, Wolf. But now that all five guys are healthy, have they found a new level? I think they're getting to that point. You watch, and here's the thing about it. It was almost with Ben's elbow, because there's been a lot of worry about his elbow. 
You know, I go way back to 83 when Terry Bradshaw had his elbow problems and he was made his last start at Shea Stadium. And the mandate that entire week long against the Jets was you cannot let Brad get hit. I don't care what you got to do. If you got to mug the guy, if you got to tackle the guy, whatever you got to do, you got to make sure nobody hits him. And we took that to heart. And even though we were supposed to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, Brad came out throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know where we lost it in that in the conversation between uh, you know the pregame meal and the final checkpoints, and then going out in the field and actually. There, there was a detour between point A and B. There was indeed, and uh, I will tell you that I took it to the heart and uh, even managed to tackle a couple guys. <laughs> uh, the defense is better, Wolf. There's no question. Yes. How close is the defense to being good enough? Well, I think they're on their way. And what I'm excited about is, look, um, as the great Dick LeBeau always used to say, points scored against is the only statistic that mattered to him. So you look at the first four games, the Steelers are giving up 29 points a game. Last two weeks, they're averaging giving up 19. That's tracking and trending in the right direction. So I think coming out of this break, now you've got the opportunity to really get yourself together. They're communicating. They're playing well. Joe Hayden has been coming on like the pro bowler that everybody you know, yes. realized yes. outside of Cleveland. And if we can get some commensurate play coming along in that secondary to couple with this pass rush and get that pass rush going, and the one guy, the one guy that I know is playing well, but I know he's capable more, and that's Stefan Tuitt, because this guy is just a heartbreaker and a widowmaker waiting to happen. Yeah, he's like a, a beat away, isn't he? He, he is. actually made a couple real good plays in Cincinnati, got a sack he on a did. tackle for a loss. But, no he, but he's just a little bit away from doing a lot more. You know, if I was if I was an offensive lineman uh, playing against that guy, I would sit there and I'd have nightmares during the week just because of the great speed and quickness with his enormous strength and size. I mean, let's face it, this guy is still a young beast. I mean, he is a young man, and he is capable, really, when, when he gets fully acclimated to his game brains and his great talent, this guy should really be taking over some games. So between him and Cam Hayward on the inside, Javon Har- Hargrave, uh, he's doing a great job. Um, you know, you got uh, the rest of the crew coming in here. I thought John Bostick has done very well in, in up in his game. So if if we keep coming along like this, real I'm strong excited. game by Vince Williams. Very strong. Might by have been Vince his, Williams. his best game of the year. Maybe the best game he's played since Shazier was tragically taken out of the mix. No question in my mind. You may be very right on that. When he made that play. Uh, first play on Joe Mixon in the first quarter, that was sensational because he had to beat two people get to get to that spot and intercept him. And then when he was in, he, even when he was in trail on, on AJ green, now he got the fact that he was there, he, he didn't need to be something happened there, but he, that was a great throw by Dalton to get into AJ green in the second half, because he was, you talk about coverage. That was fine coverage by him. Well, I want to note there were a couple of situations where backers ended up on wide receivers and it didn't necessarily go well for the Steelers. But that's not schemed by by Keith Butler, obviously. He doesn't want uh, Vince Williams covered A.J. Green. That's no. kind of a quirk based on the Bengals the making a read uh, off the Steelers' coverage, correct? They come in with personnel package, and if you don't have your people ready to shuttle out there or you get caught in a situation where you can't make the adjustment uh, or your communication gets screwed up, all right, now you've got a situation where you'll incur that, and when you do that, that leaves you way open to some major disadvantages in coverage. Now, what do you do about Artie Burns? As you mentioned, Joe Hayden is playing terrific, but Artie Burns is struggling at that other corner. His snap count gets a little low every week. 
What do you do with him, and what are the options at that position? Well, you've got Cody Sensabaugh as one option. He's played course, okay. Cody Cody has come on. I thought he's had some pretty strong play, good play by him. You know, he's he's obviously got some limitations, but he's serious. He prepares well. He's uh, he's one of those guys that you know doesn't screw up the calls and and everything. Uh, you got Cam Sutton also, but look with Artie, you got a young man who. Who's got the attributes you need to be a, a good NFL corner? You got to sit him down. You're going to have some conversations here, but this is a great time for him to unload, reload, and then try to regenerate. Yeah, the bye we could himself. come at a better time. Exactly. Could it? I think he's the guy that will benefit most. I think that other guys are going to come along beside him. I can remember when I had had my struggles. I remember, uh, except the modern day records I've talked about. I got bench three times in Miami on a Thursday night game. And the great Mike Webster afterwards told me, point, point out, says, boy, you really stunk tonight. <laughs> and But you know what he did? The next week, um, he was by my side the entire week, encouraging me, directing me, teaching me. And they ran that same blitz that I got dogged down in Miami, down in New Orleans the very next week. They ran it seven times in the first half. And I nailed it each and every time. And what I'm saying is, Artie, there is still that ability for you to come back you, you build those blocks one by one in practice, and that have great practices and make sure that you're there, uh, every, all, all present and all the meeting stuff that you got to be and take your notes and do all that stuff and then just apply yourself because I think this kid has still got what it takes. He can do it. New Orleans ran that blitz seven times the first half. First half, man. They certainly watched the film, didn't they? Oh, they did. They were coming at me. They were going to find out either you get this right, kid, or we are going to torch you out of the league. Uh I think the Steelers, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say they've turned it around totally just yet, but I think they're in a good place, Wolf, and I think if they win the next two games, they're good. If you beat Cleveland at home and win at Baltimore, you're close to controlling the division again, and let's hope Cincinnati loses at Kansas City this week. No question about it. Look, the, the feeling I had after that Cincinnati game with the good Mojo Nation and the guys that practiced this past week, there's something going on. There's some good momentum. There's some good feeling that, that you know, I think they're ready to, to make a move here. Everybody's starting to check on board. You got a week off for Ben. You know, you get that elbow kind of rested. You give yourself all that extra time to be able to come together. For the rest of the guys, this is a time to kind of like reload, kind of look at yourself, say, hey, do I need to spend a little more time in rehab? Do I, do I need a little more prehab? Do I need to make sure I'm getting to bed a little bit earlier, spend a little more time watching film, or get back on the weights if I've been sloughing a little bit because uh, maybe I'm a little dinged up? This is the time to do it because now you got to stretch. you got 10 games coming up. Dedicate yourself. Everybody get behind each other and, and lock arms and move that rock down the field. I think they're in position to do some good things here. Wolf, no bye week for us, but good stuff, and we'll do it again next week. Always, my friend. Thank you. That is Craig Wolfley. In just a moment, we're going to keep talking about the Penguins' big win at Toronto last night. Don't forget, we have Colby Armstrong on to talk about that. And for some reason, people are still talking about Aaron Hernandez. Uh, I'm going to quote a story that came out today about his life in prison. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Come, son of Jor-El. Kneel before Zod. Oh, hi. Um, Always great to hear from the lady callers. DX at 105.9. Aaron Hernandez told his girlfriend he was more relaxed and less stressed in jail than he ever was when he was out of jail. Yeah. I guess that's why he hung himself. Uh, why is anybody still talking about Aaron Hernandez? 
Oh, and Aaron Hernandez said the food was good in prison. Come for the food, stay for the sodomy. Uh, The Trib had a weird poll today on Twitter. Would you rather the Steelers lose with James Conner or win with Le'Veon Bell? At last look, 57% of the voters said they would rather lose with James Conner than win with Le'Veon Bell. I don't believe that for a second. It's easy to vote that way in a Twitter poll. But I don't believe that if a Steelers fan could actually dictate winning or losing, that the Steelers fan would pick anything besides winning. But in the fantasy land of a poll like this, I can see the result being what it is. Bell isn't back. I'm not sure if he's ever coming back. And I definitely don't care. That should be the poll. Do you give a fornication what Lev Bell does? Because I really don't. I want to talk Penguins today. Great win over Toronto last night. Your thoughts on the win, your thoughts on Matt Murray and how he played, your thoughts on Chris Letang continuing total domination, your thoughts on Sid blanketing Austin Matthews. Dial 412-333-WXDX. Uh, Nick Wright on Fox Sports just said, quote, The league needs to look into Vontez Perfect and his future playing football because he is a dangerous menace on the field to other guys out there just trying to do their job, unquote. And a lot of things really suck about Vontez Perfect, but you know what might suck most of all? That he has no respect for the people he's playing against. He doesn't care about their health, their welfare, their families, their ability to make a living, which is why the best thing to do with him is to get him before he gets you. That might be an outlook teams have to take if he continues this path of injuring people. Just take out a knee and worry about him after rehab. And you know what? That's one guy you could make the dirtiest play in the history of football. You could grab a baton and give him the old Nancy Kerrigan treatment. No one at all would feel bad for the guy. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you about a change of attitude that I think should be spawned in the wake of last night's Penguins win. That's 30 seconds away on 105.9.